This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's up, guys, and welcome to a landmark edition of the Top Rope Nation Wrestling Podcast, episode 60 of this crazy show. I am Ryan Drosty, the founder of the podcast. We started this thing back in the summer of 2016. We're glad to have you along for the ride and joining me tonight. First off, I'm going to I'm going to introduce the man that has been with this show, I think, since episode two or three in uh, August. 2016 i think uh the number 60 has some significance to this man kyle ross 60 is that on average kyle about the number of beers you drink per week yeah maybe my heyday not so much anymore <laughs> it was a rough night oh, last night in cleveland so maybe 60 i had, I had a few co- i had a few cocktails i mean i was hitting the, i was hitting the hard stuff last night who we <laughs> You know, Kyle, I I tried. I actually, believe it or not, somewhere around the three minute mark uh, of the fourth quarter, I, I actually think I tried crack for the first time. Just <laughs> throw that Jesus. out there. <laughs> you know, if if it wasn't for my association with you, Kyle, I'm not sure if I would be cheering for the Cavs, but I have been just you know because of our friend, our friendship, yeah, and I have been appreciating the greatness of LeBron James this playoffs. Well, thank you. And uh, I did. We were texting back and forth last night. I thought they might pull it out. Did not. Did not do it. But uh, that's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun playoffs to watch, and maybe we got some surprises left for us. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the surprise might be when I call you guys tomorrow, begging for help tomorrow night. (laughs) I hope not. I hope not. Asking for Western Union payments. (laughs) Do they still do that, by the way, or no? I think did, did, so. did PayPal did PayPal kill off Western Union? I don't know. Uh, I think I think it is still around, but uh, probably not. When was the last much time longer. someone Western Union someone money? Well, <laughs> please tweet the show if you've received any Western Union payments in the last ten <laughs> well, years. Maybe you could ask Chael Sonnen because uh, I saw the report that uh, he gave an interview this week and said WWE offered him. I think this was back in 2010. Offered to wire him a million dollars to. Uh, Walk out on his fight with Anderson Silva. I think it was at UFC like 115 or something like that. So maybe wow. they were going to use Western Union. Who knows? Vince McMahon yeah. is old school. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's we can get into that one. That's actually a pretty interesting story. But... I, lo- I love when Vince Jr. goes all 1983 on us, you know. <laughs> I, I just love when he, I lo- you know, it, it, as much as they want to they want to say the company's changed, you know, you just can't take the old Vince Jr. out of Vince Jr., can you? No. You can't take the old school wrestling business out of an old school promoter, that's for sure. Speaking of old school, speaking of surprises, this man joined the show in, I believe, January of 2017. Uh, we're on episode 60, and I think Justin Joint joined us around sometime in the 20s, and he has been with us ever since the third Amigo here on Top Rope Nation. What's going on, Justin? Uh, pretty good. I'm still recovering from, uh, from that travesty of the loss of tacos on Raw. <laughs> Well, you know, Which you I, don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what Baron Corbin already. <laughs> I don't know what was worse, uh, the total waste of those tacos or the total waste of watching that three hours. <laughs> was this was not the best week of WWE television? SmackDown was all right. Raw was pretty much a throwaway show, except for a couple segments. I don't think we're going to do our usual highlights of TV this week. We've got quite a few topics on deck to talk about that I think is going to take us through the whole 60 minutes but we'll see what happens uh before we get to all that you know get all the promotions out of the way if you are listening on itunes go ahead and hit the subscribe button uh i have seen we've got we've got quite a few new subscribers in recent weeks so we appreciate you guys tuning in checking out the archives uh last week we talked about the survivor series history show that kyle and i did um back in the fall of 2016 and kyle i was looking at our download numbers the other day and that was one of the top 10 most downloaded episodes over the last week so some people actually did go back and check out that show oh wow yeah that was where did we end off by the way on that (laughs) uh i think we went to 89 or 90 we only did the first few years okay we should do some more of those that'd be a real hoot it was fun i liked it We, we need to do more more nostalgia for sure i agree so yeah, thanks guys for checking out those shows on iTunes. Um, you can check out the full archive on there. Um, you can check out topropenation.com. We've got links there to all of our merch. Uh, thanks to Kyle's friend Brian for supporting the show and setting in his pictures of sporting the Top Rope Nation merch out and about. We appreciate that. And uh, I think there's probably a sale. <laughs> He's going to be thrilled he got a shout out this week on the show. Yes. Uh, I think there's a sale coming up, which we will be promoting um, sometime in mid-June. I was looking on the Spreadshirt website. I think there's a 15% off uh, sale coming up. So we will definitely mention that on a future episode. But you can see all the merch. We've got shirts. We've got uh, mugs. We've got beer glasses. We have whatever you need. Top Rope Nation. It helps out. Check it out. TopRopeNation.com. So... Kyle, I'm looking through the show notes here. You wanted to kind of start off with some NXT discussion because we we had a pretty good conversation last week about Money in the Bank, a uh, pretty historical conversation on what's happened in the past, where they're going this year, and we got into NXT TakeOver Chicago just a little bit, and uh, we didn't really get too much, though, into the main event. I know you had some things you wanted to talk about uh, with uh, Johnny Gargano, so I'll, I'll let you just fire it off right now. What do you want to, what do you want to begin with? Okay, well this just to get it out there. This is something I actually have wanted to talk about for like 2 months. Uh but it was like it just always felt like we ran out of time. It's certainly coming out of mania. Uh going back to that weekend, this was something that was on my mind as I left the takeover show. Um certainly 
you know, is on the short list of best shows in company history. But, you know, kind of while we were all reveling in its glory there, uh, basking in its glory, I should say. Uh, shout out to Keith Lee. People started tweeting this, and the thought crossed my mind, too. And we kind of know where it's going now with the benefit of, you know, two months of television. But coming out of New Orleans, we had a situation where Alistair Black was the champion. Pretty popular guy, right? But not the number one baby face with Johnny Gargano staying. And I think that was pretty interesting dynamic that they had there. And Gargano going into Chicago uh, in, what is it now, about a little over two weeks, uh, or a little less than two weeks, I should say, uh, is still clearly the number one babyface on that brand. And when I watch the TV, the Alistair Black title run is really one of the least intriguing parts of the show. I don't know what you guys think. We got to get Justin in here on that in a second. Okay, uh, you know, and I'm not saying Alistair Black is bad. I'm just saying, you know, and and obviously people are going to say, you know, oh, Lars Sullivan sucks, whatever. I I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I, I just think it's very interesting where this goes because you know, as I have been catching up on the TV, they were very clear to note in the commentary: Johnny Gargano is the only guy to beat Alistair Black since he came to NXT. So. Is that the big match later in the year for the brand? I was, what, I was what thinking we, Brooklyn for sure. I don't know because does Gargano lose? He's kind of lose in Chicago, right? It's very weird how they – because here's what's interesting, okay? The way that match with Ciampa was booked in New Orleans, it very much came across as a blow-off match win for the baby face, right? But it wasn't. And, you know, kind of unlike Daniel Bryan and uh, Big Cass on SmackDown currently, give the NXT folks credit, they've been able to keep the Gargano Ciampa program not just heated, but it's the best program in the company right now in any brand mm-hmm. uh, through, Ciampa, uh, through Ciampa's heel work. So, but but it's... You know, what becomes of, I mean, if Gargano beats Ciampa again, what becomes of Ciampa? I mean, you can't do a third, you can't, the program's over if Gargano wins again yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. I, I, I want to pull in Justin here on Aleister Black in a second. But uh, with Gargano, I don't think he has to lose in Chicago just because, you know, yeah, he won in, in New Orleans. and But since then, on television, Ciampa has gotten the better of him. Um, and so I feel like well, you can make the argument he's he's getting revenge again to win in Chicago, and yet then it could end the feud, which is I don't know that they want to drag that out all the way to August, but I I, I don't think Ciampa has to win. I mean, do, don't, I don't you think, think he does either? I mean, it all depends on where they go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. right. I mean, if if Ciampa loses, then the program's dead. If they want to keep the program going, Ciampa has to has to win. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like it's heading for a blow off in Chicago. Okay. Personally, I d- I disagree. I I think they're going to keep it going. They there there's a lot of miles they can get out of this feud yet. And and I agree with Kyle. It, New Orleans did feel like a blow off, but it, that could just have been one hell of a you know beginning to this the actual you know matches they could have. Mm-hmm. Here's the counter argument though. Um, and this kind of plays into what Kyle was saying about 
Alistair Black not being a, a very exciting champion given the great feud going on with Tommaso and Johnny. Um, you can make the argument that you get the belt on Johnny first and then you go back to the feud. It's just a question of how how do you kind of like put the feud on ice so that you can get Gargano the title maybe in August and then maybe later this year go back to uh, go back to the feud with Ciampa. What do you guys think about that? Certainly possible. Uh, NXT, I mean, they've got, I think, you know, four or five guys who, I don't know, deserves the right word, but I could definitely see them going with. Like, Aleister Black almost feels like a, a transitional champion to me. I, I would not be shocked if Sullivan gets the title. I know that, you know, Vince is big on him, and I, I'm I'm actually a fan. Um, I would not be shocked if we're looking at EC3 maybe getting a title run soon. Um, if they're going to go with Gargano and Ciampa for a while, just continue that feud. That that feud definitely doesn't need the title. Um, if if Chicago is a blow-off for that feud, though, Gargano either needs to get in the title pitcher or or he's got to go up to mm-hmm. the main roster. Do you th- do you think though that it would benefit from having the you're right it doesn't need the title, but do you think it would benefit from having the title, you know, like uh I don't know. WWE isn't isn't uh, a company that drags out feuds forever if they if they feel the same, like they always add something to it. So you add add the title to the feud and it, it ramps it up another notch. I I just have a hard time seeing them continuing this feud beyond June with it just kind of staying the same. I feel like they have to elevate it somehow. Well, the ultimate argument for what you just said would be Michael's Jericho in 08, which arguably did not need the title, but they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. If you remember, yeah. You know, they took it off CM Punk in that bizarre scramble match pay-per-view here in Cleveland when he didn't even lose. They just, you know, they had Orton run the injury angle on him. Yeah. And then next thing you know, Punk Jericho was a title program. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I think to me, the money for NXT is Johnny Gargano ch- chasing the title. Like I, I actually thought when I went into the building and, and was talking to my buddy uh, for Takeover in New Orleans that they should have Olmos retain and have Gargano, who lost to him three or four times, chase him for the title. And then have Aleister Black go to the main roster. They obviously did not do that. So I just think it's very interesting where, you know, because to me, Johnny Gargano can be a face, the face of NXT. I, I don't think there's a, a a rush. I know as soon as someone gets good down there, everyone starts running, oh, this guy should be on the main roster. I don't think they should rush Johnny Gargano. I think Johnny Gargano could in. He's so endearing and could, if he already isn't, he will likely become the most popular NXT superstar of all time. So do you do, he, do you put the belt on Ciampa first then? And, and uh, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. very odd that it wasn't a clean thing coming out of New Orleans because they've got the baby face champion. Yeah. And they did in the commentary, like I say, tease, you know, that Gargano, and they were supposed to do a match, and then that's when they ran the big injury angle where Ciampa attacked Gargano. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, in commentary, they, they played it up big that Gargano's the only one to beat Aleister Black. So mm-hmm. 
I think it's really interesting coming out. Uh, I mean, we'll know, I assume, after TakeOver. We'll have a better idea what the direction is for Brooklyn. You know, if Ciampa wins, like I said, the program goes on. If Gargano wins, that program's over. And then what becomes of Tommaso Ciampa, by the way, after this feud? Yeah, that's... Because I don't... Because as great a work as he does, man, I always tell people, you know, oh, this guy, he'll kill it on the main roster. There's, there's been issues with that, man. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not a big guy. No. He's chiseled as hell, though. <laughs> that guy is yeah, he, cut. He's in better shape than me. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely feels more of like a uh, an NXT lifer. I think he'd, he'd be setter, better suited for, you know, long-term NXT life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would definitely get lost in the shuffle on the main roster. Would... Man, I can't see them doing this. So another item I had, well, actually, I forgot to put it on my list, but I mentioned you guys ahead of time, was Shawn Michaels in this one more match situation. How he he's now all of a sudden seems more open to doing it. Mm-hmm. Tomas and Ciampa, this was just like something, he, he, he probably just did it on his own, obviously, but he like tweeted something about Michaels, like, oh, you know, of course, short-haired Shawn Michaels would mention my name. And he like, did you guys see this tweet? Uh-uh. uh-uh, didn't see it. All right, we, people should look it up. Ciampa, he, he tweeted something about short-haired Shawn Michaels. And I got to thinking, I was like, man, okay, if you need something for Ciampa to do, I mean, you, you have to take advantage of what a red-hot heel he is right now down there. Can you imagine if he, he was the one to work Shawn Michaels? <laughs> but I, I can't see Vince allowing Shawn Michaels' comeback match to take place in NXT. No, That's, no way. No, and there's no way it'd be against yeah. Ciampa. Yeah. Yeah, well, Sean... I mean, HBK threw out Gargano. He yeah. threw out that. Yeah, he sounded too, though, like he wanted to do a tag match, which yeah. I found yeah. odd. That would suck. What? Man, Pete... God bless you, Hunter, is all I can say. I mean, these guys, you hear these guys, they always, Batista always says, oh, yeah, I wanted to come back into a program with Hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was kind of with Meltzer. Meltzer touched on that in the Observer last night, mm-hmm. where he's like, eh, that doesn't sound. He's not, he's like, to me, I'd rather HBK just work as, you know, a solo quote unquote dream match than teaming up with Hunter and rehashing 060 X. Yeah, no, he, he was right on with that. I read that too in the observer this week. I, uh, Cause man, I'll tell you what, I, Shawn Michaels, I don't know if I've ever said the show was like my favorite wrestler growing up. Mm-hmm. And, but when I remember, what was it at raw 25, they came out. At, yeah, because it was late in the show. It was at the Manhattan Center. The, that crowd was getting surly because they weren't getting much. I had never seen Shawn Michaels come across as less cool than he did <laughs> back in January. Like, it was like the dad jokes. that they Like, it was bad, man. It even, was bad. Even when he had the Dutch boy painter haircut in 2002. And the that terrible brown trunks at Survivor Series 02. I, you man. hate those trunks. Oh, God, you they were terrible. Many times. Uh, I, I just... <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, you know, a lot of people and probably rightfully so had an issue with kind of how his character was portrayed, even when the company was built around him as the babyface champion in 96. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He just I, I, there's so many potential, quote, you know, look, the dream match scenario does not always live up to the hype. To be honest, more often than not, it fails. But. 
there's just a lot of appealing options to do with Shawn Michaels to put over a younger talent. Oh yeah, yeah, he would have to do a singles match. Uh, yeah, it would it not be worth it. Well, it would not be worth it for a tag match. It just wouldn't feel special. I don't think. Um, I'm with you. Shawn Michaels is one of my top four favorite wrestlers of all time. I think we all want Shawn Michaels versus Jinder Mahal. I think <laughs> oh, we can all safely say that. That would be great. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> It'd just be like Sean Diesel once again. Recreate Sean Diesel, right? What about, what, about the big Sean, man. What, about, what about Sean Hogan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. He started bumping for him like, oh, yeah, like, a, like a pinball. <laughs> and then and then the next night when he knows he, when he finds out he's not getting his job back, uh, he, he's not, he, Hogan won't do the honors for him. <laughs> Sean starts raw by telling everyone how fake wrestling is. I almost made a reference to that in our text thread last night when we were talking about the game. And uh, was it the the charge that they called on LeBron, I think? And I said something about that being like the best sell job since uh, Tom McGee and Bret Hart. I almost mm-hmm. said Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan. Almost. Except for it wasn't really a great sell job. That was more just exaggerated and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Any, anything else on Gargano and Ciampa you guys want to hit on before I transition to the, to the next one? Because I got a beer ready for this one. I know. I just thought it was interesting, and I feel like I'm a little late bringing that up uh, because we have two months of TV since I first thought of that. It's mm-hmm. we have a little more clarity, I guess. But I just think it's interesting because, like I said earlier, Alistair Black's title run has been very much an afterthought on TV. Yeah. I think to me, I mean, when you look at the stuff Dream and Ricochet are doing, that's more intriguing. Undisputed Era, you know, I kind of thought it truthfully. Before New Orleans, it was kind of cornball, but I'm getting into it now. I'm really looking forward to them working against British Strong Style at the UK show, uh, which I guess we found out is going to be taped and not aired live on the network. Uh, you know, it's just like Alistair Black, you know, EC3 is intriguing, uh, and he's not even going to be on TakeOver. You know, I gushed over Shayna Baszler last week uh, and will continue to. I mean, she's just unbelievable. I mean, man, Alistair Black, I mean, in terms of interest, is like, not even top five right now on that brand, I don't think. And that's not to say the guy's bad. I just, it's a very interesting dynamic, like I said. You know, the more we talk about this, the more I feel like, especially if WWE feels kind of the same way, and I'm not sure how they couldn't see the the title run being as underwhelming as we do. Uh, what if they look at, you know, coming out of Chicago and they go into the TV tapings, like, God, we can't have this guy with the belt for the next two months till we get to Brooklyn when we've got all this other great stuff going on. So what if they had Ciampa, like, win in Chicago, destroy Johnny Gargano, comes out on TV, and they have a title change on weekly television, get the belt on Ciampa, and then that's how they build to yet another match with Johnny chasing Ciampa for Brooklyn. I could see that. Honestly, that's not a bad scenario at all. But, you know, and I, and again, you know, there's so many knee-jerk. I don't want to, you know, I don't know what they have. I want to see what they have planned out. Like, I just think Aleister Black, since becoming a champion, has become far less interesting than he was before he was the champion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. So, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see where they go with that. I, I just think it's something to keep an eye on. And, you know, it kind of, it, it as I was blowing through NXT TV, it kind of, took me back to that night in New Orleans when I was like, eh, it's going to be very interesting now with the top two guys in the promotion, or the brand, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, both babyfaces. 
yeah. and the and the guy who's not the champion clearly the more over of the two. Yeah. Well, the next topic I have on hand here, guys, I've got my Bell's Two-Hearted Ale ready to crack open here and a toast. Let me get this ready here. A toast to one Philip Brooks, CM Punk. You're who'd... stealing Bruce Pritchard's gimmick there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Better hope he doesn't sue us. <laughs> well, we're going to have to be careful how we talk about this one, guys, because I don't want Chris Amon to come after us, but... Uh, yeah. Got to hand it to uh, Colt Cabana and CM Punk, who got a huge victory in court earlier this week over WWE's resident doctor, Chris Amon, in what has to be seen as kind of a joke of a lawsuit. I don't know what your guys' feelings are on that. but uh, I I have questions for you guys regarding this thing. I'm confused about the entire thing because like, I, I don't understand how either side won. Because to me, it seemed like no one won. CM Punk went on Colt Cabana's podcast and bashed the doctor. And it seemed like to me, the main reason was he had a, you know, quote unquote, baseball sized cyst or something on his back. And you look at all the stuff from that Royal Rumble and you can't see it anywhere. So I, I'm, I'm I'm, I actually don't understand how they won other than the doctor just kind of pouting about being bullied and the fact well, that he well, wanted that's, well, like that's what the lawsuit was over well, well, that, that, yeah. yeah that's the th- that's the thing it's punk and cabana didn't really win i think that's a misnomer i'm not trying well, to well their pocket their pocketbook certainly did because they would have well, had to pay well out. <laughs> well to, the, the, yeah exactly and so i frame it as they didn't lose right and th- there still is some hardship here for Punk. I mean, there's legal fees, and you know you have to feel bad for Cabana, who, you know, was not a WWE headliner for multiple years, and thus doesn't have the kind of money Punk does. Mm-hmm. He's not making that UFC money. Yeah, and but and it's funny you bring that up. I mean, you know, Meltzer was spot on with this that this trial taking place the week of his fight is like a disaster. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. I mean, Look, I mean, nobody thinks CM Punk's going to win after what we saw the first time. Yeah. But now, yeah. I mean, my God. I mean, you know, forget about the U- 1980 U.S. hockey team. Forget about Buster Douglas. I mean, if he, he won Saturday, it'd be the greatest upset in the history of sports. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but he, he yeah, it totally disrupted his his training. And he did claim, though, he's, he's still been training twice, uh, twice a day yeah, um, while the trial is mean, going on. I, I don't. I disagree, though. I do think this is a victory because, well, first of all, doesn't maybe I'm understanding this wrong. I'm not a lawyer, but I was under the assumption that since he won, he didn't have to pay a nickel out of pocket. Even his his no, attorney that's fees. Not true. I thought his attorney fees had to be covered by Chris Amon because he was on the losing side. No, I I could be wrong, but I thought I read that was actually not the case. Okay, because I I thought I had heard the. The winning side um, would have their would have yeah, their check. fees checked, check but right I, I don't know because I I read yesterday because I thought that too, and then when I because I had read legal fees not covered, and that's why I said what I said about Cabana because yeah. somebody had made that point. Like, man, you got to feel bad for this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy's just doing a podcast and he gets dragged through all this shit yeah. um, because stuff Punk says, and you know, he doesn't have the money for it. 
Well, I, I do think, though, also on the winning side, though, there, there's like a, a PR standpoint where Punk feels like he got one over in WWE because this was yes. Chris, this was Chris Amon's lawsuit. But Punk has been clear. He believes that this was kind of coming from WWE itself. And he that believed, they were bankrolling, yeah, they were bankrolling yes, they were. the lawsuit. So from from that perspective, Punk, who's still very frustrated with WWE, still has a lot of ill feelings towards them. It's got to feel good. So, I, I mean, I do think it is a victory. Well, yes, from, I, I think personally yes i think the fact that he you know and you know something you said at the top this was i don't know if it was a dumb lawsuit but my god i mean had the jury found for Amon, i mean that opens a pandora's box yeah especially in today's society i mean if if you could be found liable for the stuff that punk said on the podcast i mean my god i mean we, you would have just opened pandora's box for lawsuits out the ace uh, <laughs> you know in this situation i mean this stuff happens every day yeah well, i mean from what from what i had read it was is basically the the thing that was gonna make it hard for him to win was that he couldn't prove that this cost him any money that it was it was just like emotional pain is what he was claiming from from the comments and and stress and uh it was going to be hard for him to win because he couldn't he couldn't prove any monetary damages based on the comments on the podcast. Go ahead, Justin. See, instead of money, he should have just like sued for a hug or an, an <laughs> "I'm sorry." <laughs> he could have brought Bailey to the trial. She's not well, okay, but anything. the whole thing the whole thing was like was slander, right? Which I mean, I guess I the thing I can't wrap my head around is it if all the stuff I've read. It's like it looks like a lot of it might have been slander, or at, at well, least to the point where how can you prove it wasn't? Well, it goes beyond that Royal Rumble, though. Like he, Punk was talking about stuff going on like throughout the fall of, what year was that, 12 or 13? Uh, I think the fall of 2013, too, where he was claiming like misdiagnosis and... Oh, there, there was uh, there was something about like the different medications he was being prescribed and how like, like, multi- like a Z pack or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. How multiple like injuries and infections were being being handled. But that yeah, the Royal Rumble was like the culmination of all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just want to jump in, guys, because I read uh, Illinois actually does not allow for legal fee recovery in defamation cases. So Punk is still out that money. Yes. Okay. As would be Cabana. Yes. So, I wonder if Punk will help him out on that. <laughs> I mean, you know they're good friends. They go way back, sure. Yeah, I would hope so. So, I don't... God, never say never, but uh, it's hard to imagine CM Punk working WWE ever again. But it's not like there aren't tons of other opportunities out there for him. He still claims that he will not be all in and will not be at that show. Well, Although, of course. I mean, would you say... I mean, if but let's say he is all in. They are. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, announcing him would be huge, but the thing's already sold out. Yeah, it's not like they need to do advanced business. It's not like they didn't struggle to sell tickets. They've got the people coming in the door. Mm-hmm. You probably, based on that, I mean, sure, you you know, you want to have some good matches going, and so people know that. But you probably want to have some surprises. And if he's going to be surprised, I mean, you know, just lie. It's not like I mean, yeah, you know, okay. You know, and but, I'm not saying that he is all in or he should okay, be all in. Okay, for well, for one. I'm pretty sure he gave an interview today saying he had no interest in coming back to wrestling. But two, talking about all in and the fact that it's already sold out. If you're Cody and the Young Bucks, do you want to pay CM Punk a bunch of money for a show that's already sold out? 
if you think it can do business, because I mean, here's the thing. I mean, but the big the, thing the, now. They've already sold the business. Okay, well, the, here's the, the. But but what's the big talking point now? Now that they've done that, is there going to be an all in two? And if you if there is, you do need a hook from the first show. Yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you if Cody or whoever you know feels they can sell out again, or you know sell to you know do even more ticket sales in a, in a larger venue with somebody wrestling CM Punk, you know, you probably explore that. Mm-hmm. Well, he is doing this. He is doing the autograph signing at pro wrestling tees down the road. So I was going to say, yeah, I mean, he's going to be in the area. So yeah. the speculation will not die. I, I suspect people will feel that there's a chance they'll show up during that show. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if he loses Saturday night to, to Mike Jackson at UFC. I mean, yeah, I mean his UFC, I mean, that's a, you're right. I mean, that, that that's the elephant in the room. I mean, okay. We all assume he's going to lose the UFC thing's done. Then. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. one Avenue that's completely shot. Yeah. If he wins everything, this entire conversation is null and void. Um, as far as WWE, it's like Bret Hart came back. It took 13 years, but Bret Hart did come back. And, can you say Punk is more bitter than Brett was at times with WWE? No, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> keep in mind with Brett, it wasn't just the Montreal screw job, right? It's Owen dying. What was there any kind of lawsuit though? Yeah, well, the wrongful death lawsuit with Owen. Yeah. Okay, Brett yeah, was I mean, part there was of no that lawsuit coming out of Montreal, but um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of bad blood coming out. I mean, so to me, if Brett comes back, I mean. Yes, he could. I mean, the situation is Vince sometimes gets his outside-the-box ideas. If he thinks he can make money using CM Punk and Punk wants to make money, then, of course, Punk could come back. But it's not going to be soon, obviously, based on Punk's testimony. Well, he, is, he is arguably the biggest name out there for a wrestling return. And so, yes, if he yes, comes, I would agree came, with that. I would agree with that. Yes. He came back to Ring of Honor or New Japan. It would be massive. Uh, yes. Well, I, you know, hmm. OK, here's a question is would CM Punk. Returning to WWE be a bigger deal than Hulk Hogan returning to WWE. Yes. Yes. Bar none. By Bar none. a billion, billion times. Would it? Okay. Wow. OK. Okay. Just because it, Hulk's it, came does, back so many times already. Yeah, okay. exactly. That and does, I mean, who cares if he comes back? I mean, oh. are, is anybody antsy for a Hulk Hogan return? Dude, I have. And, and to do what? Okay, hold on. Hold on. See, I'm, a, see, I'm an objective individual here. Right? And I'm also, you know, I, I like to welcome people of all opinions and creeds in, in the world of wrestling. Now, granted, they're people whose tweets I usually never agree with but man you'd be surprised at the number of people who would love to see your boy terry eugene bolea come in and rip the shirt off one more time <laughs> you would be surprised well, i mean there's yeah there's there's no doubt there's a market for it and stuff i just don't think it's it's to the level of cm punk who still gets the crowd chance you know, god they were chanting his name at wrestlemania <laughs> yeah but, uh, I, I don't know I, i'm not I'm not saying you guys are wrong. I'm just not as vociferous on one side of that. Yeah, I, I can't think of a bigger WWE return than CM Punk right now. Now that Brian's back, I can't. If used properly, if used properly, which is always a big question mark, 
it would be bigger because he, the thing with Hogan is, can, is Hogan even capable of doing a match? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, like if he comes back, is it just like as a goodwill ambassador? I mean, make no, I mean, there's a better chance. Despite what Hogan did, I still think there's a better chance he comes back. Than I think they're going to find a way for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, just with Hogan, it's like, all right, he let, what was he doing? He was like a tough enough judge. <laughs> you know, it was like, eh, it's kind of throwaway stuff. Nobody really cared too much. Whereas Punk went out. This hustle, loyalty, respecting was really catching on, brother. Remember, remember that? <laughs> yeah, Punk, Punk went out as like a guy who could have or should have maybe main evented WrestleMania that year. Well, I mean, well, so. I mean, well, I mean you talk about main eventing WrestleMania, I mean. Hulk Hogan's done that once or twice. No, I know, but like long, long time ago, Punk is more, more current. Okay. Is what I'm is what I'm saying. I think both returns would be big, but uh, I just think Punk's because it's so unexpected, even more unexpected than Hogan. I think the uh, thing though, Hogan's return will get mainstream coverage. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's Hogan. Would CM Punk's return like show up in one of those five boxes on Yahoo.com? Hmm. Well, okay, but Hulk Hogan's return would probably get some negative attention, too. That's true. That's true. That's true. That is a very legitimate point. Yes, there would be people saying, is this right to do? Yeah. I don't know. I think I think a lot rests on this UFC fight Saturday night, because if Punk wins, he's going to he's going to stick around. He's going to do it. And he's definitely (laughs) has some pretty long odds to win. Um, but the what guy, the, the guy he's fighting, my job, I don't even know the guy, he, the guy he's fighting is also Owen one and they both lost to the same guy, Mickey Gall. So <laughs> it's ironic because Mike Jackson and Mickey Gall fought for the chance to face CM Punk and Punk's first fight. And now Punk will have fought both of them. It's kind of weird how that shakes out. So, yeah. I don't know. I I will not be buying the pay per view, but <laughs> I will I will follow it online. Do you guys follow UFC very closely? I you know I'll be honest. Last several years, I went downhill. You know, Same. it's ironic given my takes on this program. But in the Lesnar era, I was following a lot more closely. Yeah, same. I, I don't follow, but I would if it was more predetermined and interesting, <laughs> more storylines. Yeah, exactly. They had good storylines for a while, but I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, you talk about oversaturation, you know, with the WWE product. There's just way too much UFC product. It was hard to keep up with, and I kind of just made a decision, like, no, I just have other things to pay attention to. And hey, Vincent Kennedy McMahon has bested UFC because what is it by 2020? WWE's television will be paying out more than UFC's television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he conquered okay. that one. Look for a lot of broken links in uh, F4WOnline.com backslash archives. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think I wanted to move next into this Daniel Bryan discussion. I, we kind of – I mentioned there a second ago. Now that Bryan's back, I thought Punk's return to WWE was the biggest one. And Bryan has still not signed a WWE contract. Um He's reportedly looking for some some creative control in a new contract. Who can blame him? Um, and they haven't reached an agreement, so he's his contract is still set to expire September first, right? So, 
What do we think? I mean, Kyle, what do you think of his demands in the in the con or the reported demands? First of all, what do you think about okay, the first of all, I have, thing? No, I have no idea if this is true, and shame on me. Uh, I'm I wanted to look this up here real quick while you were talking, and I was hoping you were going to throw it to Justin oh, first. Well, <laughs> but it's okay. I can find. We can it. roll so with I, it. I, I, I just wanted to give credit to the the entity that reported this. Um, and I can't remember. I think it was like Dirty Sheets, which you know, I feel a little dirty mentioning that. Oh my! Whatever. Goodness. Okay, so I mean, it made it, it maybe not true at all, but I think the creative control thing is very interesting because it goes back to something I mentioned last week about kind of the hypocrisy in evaluating certain wrestlers in WWE. You know, last week we talked about you know if a guy that everyone loves isn't doing well eh, fuck this promotion they don't know they're not doing them right but if it's a performer you know maybe like a bobby lashley that not everyone is in love with well this guy's not very good and to double back to this creative control thing it's funny because for years and years and years you know it was you know let's make no mistake about it. it was one of the reasons that killed wcw was all those top guys particularly hogan having creative control and not, and you know, God bless them. They were able to negotiate those deals, tip your cap to them. But it was, while it may have been to their own individual benefit, it was not to the uh, benefit of the promotion as a whole. So it'll be funny because if Daniel Bryan, let's say this is true and he gets some creative control, everyone's going to be really happy about that. Right. And I think that's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Now you could argue, well, Daniel Bryan will do things that I like. Whereas, Hulk Hogan was an asshole and only worked with a handful of guys and none of the guys I liked. But at the end of the day, does that matter? And only two guys in WWF history, to my knowledge, have ever had a degree of creative control in their contract. Hulk Hogan, obviously, and Bret Hart. And we know how that worked out for the latter. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting. And the big thing in that report was that Brian wants to be guaranteed a match against Brock Lesnar. Well, Brock might not be around after SummerSlam, <laughs> from what I've been reading. But I know. Who knows? So I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, yeah, there was a report today. Even though I mean, it was your boy Justin Barrasso. So you know, I saw on Twitter, everyone's like, "Oh, great, Brock Lesnar's <laughs> going to hold the title for three years now." <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, what do we think of this? Well, I, I think it's because Daniel Bryan certainly. I, yeah, I've I've got a segue he here. He's holding the cards. He's holding the cards. Oh yeah, he is in a tremendous position of strength right now. A, a position of strength that, you know, I, I critic. You know, I was as critical of anyone as anyone of Hogan back in the WCW days. Mm -hmm. But I feel that you know wrestling's changed so much in the last twenty years. It's it's almost like a complete one eighty. Whereas back, you know, the inmates were running the proverbial asylum, asylum right in nineteen ninety eight WCW. Yeah. Now, I mean, <laughs> the inmates are afraid to speak out of turn in WWE in 2018. <laughs> so this is a really unique, you rarely see a performer really kind of being able to come at WWE with this sort of position of strength. Yeah. I got a segue here and then I'm going to swing the pendulum over to Justin here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I got a question for him. So you mentioned that Hogan had the creative control. It was part of the destruction of WCW. And with Brian, people w definitely wouldn't be as up in arms about the creative control because it's Brian. 
do we think that some of that though is that Hogan was a main eventer for years and years and years when he had that creative control, whereas Brian's a guy who he always had it. To be, I mean, I mean, you know, he had it in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. And Brian's a guy who I think the majority of fans, I, I was going to say the internet wrestling community, but who's not part of the internet wrestling community in 2018? Uh, yeah, I mean... Everyone's the quiet. IWC now. Uh, but most fans, I would say, believe that Brian's been chronically underutilized or maybe even booked poorly for a lot of his, his run over the Very last true. few years. So what do you think, Justin? Do you think... Are you someone that thinks Brian's been chronically underutilized um, over the years that they haven't really given him a fair shake? And how do you feel about have, him having creative control? Um, I don't think since they realized what they had with the whole yes movement, I don't think he has been underutilized. I mean, it, I don't think it's always what... Uh, us hardcore internet fans would want, but I think they, they book him in ways that would appeal to a larger base. Um, for He's the record proof too. To yeah. Honest, I mean, people were bitching. We didn't even talk about this last week. I'll, I'll let you go. But that, like he tapped out that he passed out to Samoa Joe. Brian at this point is, you know, I mean, they would really have to do some stupid shit to hurt him. Yeah. Yeah. In, for as far as the reports go, that a lot of that sounds super out of character for everything we've seen from him. Like, like I can only imagine his creative control is like he wants to have twenty to twenty-five minutes every pay-per-view. You know, so, well, I'm sure it's a reasonable creative. I'm sure it's a reasonable creative control. I mean, you know, he cannot do his. You know, like they, they What was it? He was going to do all, like a hour and a half match with Austin Aries one time in ring of honor. <laughs> like yeah. that's not, that's not going to happen. But yeah, um, I think in terms of like picking opponents and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's a, actually, that's a really good point, Justin. I, I didn't really think about that, but it does seem kind of out of character to imagine Daniel Bryan. Like, yo, look we're I need creative control in my contract. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to see him saying that, but I, I can imagine, I can imagine him saying like, I'll resign, but I want to match with Brock. That's that's something you could see him saying. Go ahead, Justin. I, I wouldn't, but but I can't imagine that being a deal breaker, especially with the amount of talent he has to work with on that roster, and the fact that you know you can't assume that Brock's going to be around any longer than one more match. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't make any sense to me and and you know even going back to your question as to far as how they use him even considering this current big Cass feud it's like it's fine i I, it's it's a means to an end to something else that's going to be really good and Mm -hmm. and considering on smackdown and once again with the talent that he can work with it it just i don't know it, it that whole thing just reeks of bs to me I, I just think that I just want to go back to something I said, though, because I believe it to be completely true. He is in a position of strength for negotiating this next deal. It, it's a position of strength that he will never have again over this company. I do agree with that. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. So, I mean, you know, we shouldn't. You know, I'm a guy, you know, people always like, oh, these athletes making so much money. I've never said that before. I think it's a terrible take. You know, I, I never 
uh, poo-poo anyone who negotiates a good deal for themselves. You know, now if it winds up being a detriment to an overall product, okay, fine, you, it can be brought up. But, you know, I, I think, you know, he has a family. And I mean, he's, trust me, the guy's not starving, okay, as it, as it is now. But, you know, I mean, if you want, if he, <laughs> this is his chance to be, you know, have a all-time great deal. And, you know, he should kind of play a little hardball with them. And to be honest, I welcome it. I welcome the individual performers playing hardball at WWE and not just kowtowing to whatever they say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, you know? I'll, t- I'll tell you what. If 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 anything about him and Miz, like their feud feels forced, like especially if it's going into SummerSlam, I, I that could be a signal of him being gone. Because they have to do that before he leaves. Oh, yeah. No, I think... I'm going to look at this from another angle here, too. I think Brian's someone that I don't know this for a fact, obviously. I think he's probably got a lot of money saved. Um, if if you've watched Total Bellas and Total Divas, yeah. him and Bree live pretty modestly. I I got to think he's been pretty it, wise with his, with, with his savings yeah. account over the years. It's all buried underneath his organic garden. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure money's really not an issue for him moving forward. Uh, he wrote a best-selling book, too. Um I'm sure he can get any kind. I'm sure he could get some endorsements for a long time. So, what if Brian? Yeah, but you don't. Uh, see, I don't know. Like, maybe he's just different. But for me, you know, they're like, "Oh, money can't buy happiness." Yeah, give me ten fucking dollars. Watch me smile. Real quick. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I don't think Brian really needs the money. I'm, I don't know that for a fact, but I, that's just the sense I get. So I don't think he needs it. But I mean, you know, I mean, if you could get a lot of money, wouldn't you try? But yeah, but Brian also though is like. <sighs> Just you mentioned the the uh, organic garden. Like he's a guy who I could see. He's he's a wrestling nerd. He's totally a wrestling nerd. That's one of the reasons people like him so much. Is he's so much like us. And we talked about this uh, when he came back to wrestling. Uh, I think he was on like Jericho's podcast. And he was talking about all this stuff that he was planning on doing if WWE didn't clear him. And he was watching a lot of lucha. And he was talking about work in New Japan, a Ring of Honor. What if the guy just really wants to like? for a couple years live out all these dream matches that he's been Whoa. going over in his head for okay the last or year. i guess there's that okay you know he could always come back to think- wwe like what if he really just wants to do that like he doesn't need the money he's a do creative you think he's guy. gonna leave you think he's gonna leave right now i would say no but I, i'm, I'm I going with the what if out. i'm going with the what if and i could i could also imagine a scenario where daniel bryan's like this is my chance to do all the special stuff on the indies the indies is Unlike it's ever been in, in pro wrestling right now. Like, there's so much great stuff around the world going on. Maybe he just really wants to be a part of that. He doesn't need the money. And, shit, look what Chris Jericho's doing. You know, he has this agreement with WWE where they bring him in once in a while. He doesn't have, like, an exclusive contract. They're paying him by show, I would assume. And maybe he's inspired by, like, maybe he can he can just go off and work New Japan. He can work Ring of Honor. He can work triple a and then he can come back to wwe in a year or two years. like i could totally see him being the type of guy who just wants to like live out some of these matches he's envisioned over the last year when he thought there was no hope in hell wwe was going to clear him so maybe maybe he wants to do it i don't i don't know i could i could see that scenario too i don't know what your guys I, thoughts are no I, I i totally agree with you i i could definitely see him looking at the landscape that way um to play contrarian, I would say that he will 
Jericho would not get offered the kind of money that he's going to be offered. Um, it, and once again, it's just kind of going back to how the roster is and maybe even like how he wants creative control is just a matter of like, let me work a program with this guy and just let's be creative. I think that'd be the extent of his, his, his control in that aspect. And I just, I, 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 especially with having a family now and with the WWE having such a hand in total Bellas, I don't see him going anywhere. I will. I will. In fact, if he goes, I will give you both a Buffalo nickel. Wow. <laughs> well, here's, here's something. <laughs> well, well, hold on. There's something I want to say. We can't rule out ego in this situation. Yeah. All right. He's a wrestling nerd. Oh, he's just like all this. Let me tell you something. You know what? Daniel Bryan He's got to be in his head it, it, more so than, oh, I can go around and work all these indie dream matches. Is being a top guy in WWE, which he got there, but it was so short-lived in 2014 because of the initial injury. I think there's some ego involved in wanting to get back on top. And to me, I think for somebody who wants to be chatting, to me, the indie thing, that's easy. And people can shit on me that comment for me all they want. I think it's an easy, easy option that he could. I think, you know, oh, well, you can always come back to WWE. He can always do that indie stuff. Yeah, fuck you, Marks. <laughs> <laughs> to me, to me, getting back to the top of WWE and, you know, I I don't want to, like, make this like, like, you know, like, you know, he's giving every he's giving them the finger. No, it's not like that because they, they'd be invested in. Them. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's something to that. Mm hmm. And I think that, if it were me, would drive me more than just going going to Japan and doing one-offs against opponents who stylistically will work with him. Okay, and you know, you know what solidifies your point, especially if any of these rumors are true, is him wanting to work with Brock. And by the way, he, so here's another point too with Brock. This whole storyline WWE is trying to shoehorn with Roman Reigns beating Brock Lesnar and like, you know, him doing it for, you know, all the loyal WWE fans against the evil, you know, mercenary who's only out for money. <laughs> that storyline writes itself with Daniel Bryan. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the storyline they're trying to tell with Roman Reigns would be a lot easier to tell with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Well... Again, I, I don't actually believe he's going to leave, but I think there's a chance. I, I'd go 80-20, maybe 90-10 that he stays with WWE. But I think I think you can look at that ego argument from the other perspective. This is perspective a real too. Adam Schefter segment here. Oh, you know, <laughs> he didn't say that he isn't retiring. <laughs> but I think, you can, I think you can go with the ego argument the other direction, too. So here's Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, who... Un you know, undisputed was the king of the indies for God, how long, <laughs> you know, almost a decade. And, but indie wrestling then wasn't what it is now. So he sees Cody Rose doing what he's doing. He sees Jericho doing what he's doing. He sees Kenny Omega doing what he's doing. Do, you know, does he want to go prove but Cody that... Rhodes wasn't going to be a pushed guy? In no, 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 but no, I know, but he is, he is like the king of the independence right now. So what I'm saying is, does Brian think from the perspective of, I want to go back to that scene 
and prove that I can still go in that style. You know, I, I could see him, I could see him looking at it that way too. And then the family argument, I think that was a good a good point because WWE gives him that long term security. But if money is no issue, you could also look at the family argument as if he works indies in Japan, he can work way less dates. That's very true. And be home with his family more and That's make a true. lot of money. So you can I don't know. This has actually turned into a really good discussion. Uh, I think I know what the episode tagline is going to be for episode 60 here. It's definitely going to be Daniel Bryan-centric. So, I don't know. This is going to be interesting this summer as as we see how they built SummerSlam and what's going on with Daniel Bryan. So, Justin, do you have some? I would love to see him work Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I would too. I, I, I would love for that to be the don't let the door hit your ass on the way out Brock match. Yeah. Man, I'm probably the only person that has no interest in that match. Oh. <laughs> I just want to I, I would like to see Brian beat him. Yes, that's the thing like you know, for someone like myself who does not get quote unquote markish very often, the visual of Daniel Bryan t- tapping out Brock Lesnar is appealing. Yeah. In a way that many things that in, in a way that few things are uh, in modern wrestling, but don't don't you guys think though that if if Brian told Vince like I want to take a year, I want to do these dream matches around the world and come back, he he would be able to do that. I don't know. They're I'm not sure. going to turn down money. I mean, I'm sure he could do it. So I mean, look, Jericho has worked after this weekend. What's when... what's the big thing that Daniel Bryan could do outside WWE? In your opinion. In my opinion, what's like the big? What's like the biggest thing he could do? Like, let's say, um, he's like, "Fuck it, all right, no, this is more big." What is the big allure? Like, what is if if you're like you, Ryan Drossi, what would you have Daniel Bryan do? If can you, I actually answer this? Okay, yes, or Justin, yes. What would you? What is his blank check match that you want to see? Well, I think for starters, it'd be to end the seven hundred day reign of uh, IWGP champion of Okada. <laughs> I think Omega might beat him this weekend. We'll see. Yeah, I yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that I think promotion's have... still running. <laughs> oh my god, that show this weekend's gonna be amazing. Uh <laughs> I think uh I think headlining Wrestle Kingdom's something that he probably wants to do. Uh from listening to him on Jericho's podcast and I don't, I don't follow like the the Mexican promotions at all. But it sounds like he does, and I think he really wants to work in Mexico. Um, for me, it would be headlining the Tokyo Dome. It would be like the the ultimate match for him. Look, look at Jericho. All right, so he's worked Kenny Omega. He's going to work Naito this weekend. So Jericho, even though he's a WWE guy, has now worked New Japan's basically their top two faces outside of Okada this year. But uh, Naito is probably the the top, the top babyface in Japan. You and, know what? There's a difference between Daniel Bryan and Jericho, in my opinion. I don't have a ton of interest in watching Chris Jericho in WWE. As much as we laud what he's doing, like, oh yeah, the WWE. Look at him. Look at Jericho. He goes to New Japan, and look what he's doing over there. I don't have a huge desire to see Chris Jericho work in WWE. That's what I was trying to get to earlier. With like Jericho's never going to be offered the kind of contract that Brian. Yeah, like Daniel Bryan to me, I I think the options of WWE, you know, uh, I know how's it going, everybody won't like this, but 
I think the options WWE are just better for him and are more appealing to me personally. They than are Brian Okada. No, they are. They, they just I just I just think what I look for in wrestling. Yeah, okay, Brian Okada would be cool for an hour, but then what? <laughs> well, I think I don't think he would work any of these promotions full time. I think it'd be spot shows. I think he'd be showing up yeah. for for a big match, and it would just be like a a year where he would do the matches he wants to do. And like I said, it sounds like Mexico is really what he wants to do. But uh, I don't I don't know. It's uh, fucking work Sin Cara on SmackDown. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> get it out of your system. Put, put Sin Cara, Sin Cara, Daniel Bryan, hair versus mask, <laughs> beard versus mask. Yeah. Well, WWE obviously thinks Jericho's a big deal still. And the fact that they've given him the freedom to work around the world and still come back. Yeah, I, I it's mean, crazy. it's crazy. But at the same time, the guy works the greatest Royal Rumble for like five minutes. I mean, he came in at like 49. He was not exactly a, uh, you know, an integral part of the fabric of that match. Mm-hmm. And it's not like when he got tossed, like, you know, I, I mean, personally, if you bring somebody back like that, I thought it was kind of a wasted opportunity like you could have done something with him but yeah, you know yeah. i'm not dying to see chris jericho on weekly WWE television or even semi-regularly i mean he's done it all there yeah but before he left you know what he did with with owens was one of the best storylines in the company it was i agree with that and it, to be honest you could probably make an argument that they never fully tied it up yeah but i don't I don't think, you know, it, it, and again, it goes back to a discussion that got, got quite heated on this podcast many moons ago. I don't, like, want to see Chris Jericho in title programs, you know, because there was the big thing about how Jericho Owens was going to be the title program, and then it wasn't because Goldberg Lesnar became it. Like, I, I don't, like, Jericho's fine just showing up every once in a while, and yeah, I love a good grudge match as much as anybody, but, you know, I, I when Chris Jericho has any success in New Japan, you know, you know, I thought the Omega match was great, but I don't think it necessarily reflects poorly on WWE's use of him. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of interesting angles to this argument, and I could see it playing out different ways. Again, I I do think when it comes down to it, he's going to resign with WWE, but there are many sides, right? Yes, <laughs> many sides. There's many there's many good people on, on both sides here, but uh, I. Lord, <laughs> I I can see I can see an angle where the creative mind of Daniel Bryan is uh, spinning, and there's some stuff that he wants to he wants to live out in another world outside of WWE, and maybe he wants to do it. We'll we'll see what happens. He just wants that hot Katie Vick angle. <laughs> oh my goodness! Let's not relive 2002 WWE if if we ever go back and do nostalgia shows. Can we just make Especially- that? Pack. Especially Raw. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll do this. Well, SmackDown 6 isn't really that fun anymore either. But, uh, yeah, especially <laughs> Raw from that time period. Dear Lord. Yeah. Bad. Bad stuff. Um, we wanted to hit on what's going on between uh, WWE and their proverbial home in New York City, Madison Square Garden, which has uh, it's been a topic this week that uh, the relationship between WWE and MSG has become strained. Um, and what we think is going to happen moving forward because uh, there's reports out there, speaking of, of Lucha Wrestling, that uh, AAA wants to run the garden. And so the fact that WWE has not been running the building for television in recent years 
Uh, they are doing a house show, I believe. Is that correct, Kyle? There's a house show in like July, is it? Yeah, July, yes. July, July 7th. 7th. Okay. Yes. And, and Undertaker is coming back for that. Right. He's been on the marquee. I did see a screen, a screen cap of that. So what do we think about this? You know, it has been the site of so many legendary shows over the years. It has been always looked at as WWE's home base. Um, Basically, I, just because no one else is allowed to run there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, except, well, UFC's been running, so I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, another wrestling. Promotion. Yeah, I, I know, I know. But uh, WWE views them as competition, I guess. So, what what do we think of the the MSG situation, Kyle? I think it's you know I can see from MSG standpoint that you know maybe a little ticked off that. They're not getting anything on Mania weekend. I think it's interesting. If this was 2020 and the TV situation was is different because of Fox, I could see them doing the Raw at MSG, you know, because where it's after because you could um, set that up independently because SmackDown is obviously going to be, you know, SmackDown could be in the same venue as, as the Hall of Fame and NXT. Then you'd have Mania on Sunday, and then you could just do Raw at MSG. But um, I could see them being perturbed. I mean, you know, it is kind of funny that, like, you know, we always heard Vince's reverence for MSG, but because of, like, some production issues, that they just don't do TV there. Mm-hmm. And um, it is kind of crazy, you know, that all those, you know, all the stuff you hear... Um, you know, that's going on, you know, next April, that they're not getting anything. Mm-hmm. So now they have the right to first refusal. So if AAA looks to run, they're, they're wanting to run there, I guess, in September, um, and it might be not the garden proper, maybe the, uh, you know, the, the what is it? it, used to be the felt form, the, the theater next yeah, to the it. theater thing. But, yeah. yeah, but no one has ever run there. In the modern era, there has never been another pro- professional wrestling promotion to do a show there. So, I mean, it would be a very big deal. If that happened, if WWE allowed it, um, I don't know if they would. Um, they they denied WCW once, yeah. so um, obviously that was more legit competition. So I'm I, I'm going to geek out for a second here because here's one of the things I miss about WWE at Madison Square Garden, and they didn't in recent years. They didn't do this really anymore with with television, but. Uh, Back in the mid-2000s and pretty much every show before that, one of the things I liked the most about Madison Square Garden with the configuration was how the entranceway was always straight on from the hard camera. And they always yep. had like a more simplified entrance there, whether it was like the Rumble where John Cena came back or uh, the Rumble with Triple H and Cactus Jack or WrestleMania 10. how that entrance was always like straight on from the camera. I, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds really geeky. I always loved the way they set up that building. And that was it was like different from any other show that they did, and uh, I know Raw wasn't typically like that in recent years, and even even in the '90s, I think they had a Raw in '97 at MSG, and they, they set that up off to the side. But the pay per view yeah, was, they the, was that was ahead. the debut of Cactus Jack. Yeah, and that I think was when Austin stunned McMahon for the first time. Maybe yes, yes, it was. Yes, uh, but. For the pay-per-views, they always did the simplified entrance. You know, the uh, famous. I liked spot. it too. Yeah, where Jeff yeah. Hardy did the swanton off the entrance there, uh, into the aisle. It's just I don't know something about that. It's it might sound stupid or corny, but I, I like the uh, I like the old school entrance at MSG. I miss that. Direct your emails to Kevin at WWE.com. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
Uh, Justin, any comments on MSG, WWE? Yeah, I don't really care. I don't understand how it affects anybody that doesn't, you know, like, oh. live in New York. I'm sorry, you know, maybe part of my answer is because my dog is laying next to me and just farted and it just smells rancid <laughs> <laughs> right now. There's nothing worse. And, and, you know, the thing with dogs fart, that you know, this will be our seventh topic, is just the lack of remorse they show. Mine does it all the time. And it's like, dude, and he just looks like what? Yes, I farted right next yeah. to you. Don't care that. It's like, I, yeah. yeah, it smells, but it doesn't smell any worse than, you know, stuff that I normally weigh it. So screw you. There is she, nothing. She, has, she hasn't moved at all. Hasn't moved at all. Nothing worse Wouldn't than be, dog farts. Uh, it would not be an NFL Sunday at my house uh, without my one dog, Zuki, farting on one of my friends. So. <laughs> oh, man. Um, w- one of the things we've been doing in recent weeks is I've been trying to... Oh, look at this on my phone. I just got an alert. Chris Jericho Fozzi has started a live video on Instagram. He must have known we were talking about him. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I, I pulled out my phone because I'm looking on our Twitter account, at uh, Top Rope Pod, if you're not already following us. But I've been trying to increase the the engagement with our listeners because we know you're out there. We want you to get involved more with the show, whether it's, uh, like I mentioned last week, joining the Patreon page and having some creative input on the forum there, or uh, just sending tweets that we can read on the air. But uh, I sent a, a tweet out tonight before we went on asking if anyone had anything for us to talk about tonight. And so let's just end on a couple of these topics. Uh, Chris sent in a question. He wanted to know, he said, are pay-per-views still necessary, especially after the big new television deals? Hey, real, real quick, is this through Twitter? Yes. I, I think they deserve like an, an ad, like give them, give them the Twitter name. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, of course, this Good is... Good call, helpful. Justin. Chris Croninger uh, at Archaeocron. <laughs> this one is kind of hard to hard to pronounce. At A R C H A E O C H R O N. Archaeocron. Chris Croninger. Are pay per views still necessary, especially after the big new deals? That, that's a good point, Justin. Because hey, send us something to read on the air. We will promote your Twitter page. There's your motivation right there. What do you guys think of Chris's uh, question, though? Are pay-per-views still necessary now that we've got all this big money on the table with uh, television contracts? Content, network, subscriptions. You you just – look, are they as big a deal as they used to be? No, they're not, but it doesn't matter in their business model. It's just content, man. It's just cranking out content. Three hours on a Sunday every month. There you go. It's just, you know, I I think they are, yes. I mean, do they – I mean, they, they don't need to mean as much as they used to um, because they have so much TV time now too. Um, They don't mean as, and they, you know, they don't mean as much, but no, yeah, I think they're absolutely, I think the whole, the key is content, man. Uh, You know, that's how they were able to get that big TV deal and yeah, keep cranking it out. Mm -hmm. We think Justin. Yeah, I agree. I I could see maybe uh, an alternate timeline where with this, influx of money maybe they cut down the the pay-per-views or specials or whatever you want to call them to like maybe six a year and they use some of that money to do other stuff like with nxt in the uk brand and expand that to other you know places like china or japan or wherever 
Um, or just new content, like uh, even like WWE Camp or whatever the hell it is. Um, but no, yeah, they're not going anywhere. I mean, that that's... I, I do think the once a month pay-per-view model that so many of us kind of came of age with is... What's the word? It's certainly not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And it probably, they don't need to do that anymore. I mean, it's one of these things that, you know, I, I know we all kind of mocked for various reasons, the greatest Royal Rumble ever show, but even if it wasn't really a big deal in the grand scheme of thing, like storyline wise, it, they made it feel like a big deal. And it was certainly a unique environment in, you know, again, people can go back in the archives and some of the pros and cons of some of that stuff, but you know, I mean, the things like this Australia show you've heard talked about, like, you know, I, I just I do think that there is something to, OK, you know, God damn it. July has got to always mean extreme rules. I don't think that they need to stick to that model. You know, I, I think, you know, doing um, having 12 big shows every year on the network. OK, I think that, yes, they need to do that, but I don't necessarily they could get creative with the, with the spacing of them mm-hmm. and the gimmicks they do and stuff. I just don't, you know, the, the whole, you know, April means backlash and, you know, October means hell in a cell. Yeah, I, I think that does feel a little passe, actually. I think I know what you're proposing. I think you want in, them to bring back Taboo Tuesday. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say in your house just every, <laughs> every month. I fucking love in your house. <laughs> no, it's... Hey, we talked about it on the show before. I mean, one of the reasons NXT is so great is because they have less major shows or they're more spaced out. So if they could well, or if they could arrange them in a more creative way, like what Kyle's getting at, is it's not just a every month thing, but maybe maybe they'd have a few closer together and then it'd be some more spaced out. I don't know. Well, and truth be told, they did. I mean, look at what's going on now. It's yeah. kind of interesting, actually. They had uh with Backlash, they had six quote-unquote pay-per-views through the first um, four months and week of the year, which is pretty great, through the first week of May, which is the fifth month. And now there's been kind of a significant gap between Money in the Bank. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because they actually have drawn down the number of pay-per-views. And it seems like last year when we were doing the show, like all spring, it seemed like almost every other week we were doing a pay-per-view preview. And so Mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy to think, when us three were together in New Orleans for WrestleMania, since that time, there's only been one paper, like traditional pay per view, well, yeah, other than the Greatest Royal Rumble. But yeah. yeah, it has been a little more spaced out this spring, which has kind of actually been refreshing. I've I've enjoyed that. Yeah, the, sometimes the creative can get lazy with oh well, yeah stuff. Well, with it being Money in the Bank, it's like okay, we've got our qualifiers now. Let's just have them wrestle a bunch of singles matches. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's a good question, though. I I think uh, I think they are always going to be important because it does give you the, the like the ultimate show to to build up your matches towards. And you can't. Yeah, really I just take don't know away. what they would do. I I just think that they're kind of comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like comfort food. Like yeah, they, they've been doing it for so long. Um, it's like okay, you know, we've got this show. We're going to write some TV, and it's gonna not necessarily peak at this, but you know, we're just going to build the matches um, that are going to happen at this particular show. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where uh, that's just how they structure television. And, and like Kyle said, it's for network subscriptions too. I mean, no matter how much, 
those of us like the hosts here in Top Rope Nation may like to turn on 1989 primetime wrestling. <laughs> the majority of the people subscribing to the network are not subscribing for the archives. Um, no. So, yeah, they, they do need it for the network. So, But uh, good discussion. Thanks for sending that question, Chris. Uh, the other one, the last one I want to get to is from our guy Derek down there in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I do got to mention, too, I wanted to mention uh derek the host of the oversell podcast friend of the show derek's been on top rope nation many times uh they have closed up shop on his podcast which i was kind of sad to see they've had they've had a really good show i think for 129 episodes and so derek's a great dude has a good podcast it was fun to see him in new orleans yes it was so hopefully we can get him on top rope nation again here relatively soon uh i told him that tonight when i talk to him actually hopefully we'll bring him on multiple times in the near future um but derek sent in a question and uh he said is it time for the undertaker to stop working period because he is coming back again soon uh 2018 will be one of his most active years i think since like 2015 or something like he's he's doing the most matches he's done this year i'll tell you i'll tell you what Undertaker needs to stop working when Kyle stops eating Taco Bell. (laughs) Which will never happen. Exactly. Yeah. I I don't really know how to answer that, I guess. Like, I mean, I don't, people are into it. You know, I mean, you look at it, man, dude, I told you, I was in the, um, what do you call that? The concession area. Uh, during the when the Cena Undertaker segment started, when Cena's music hit, people like it was like the freaking stampede, man. It was like since the Who concert in Cincinnati. <laughs> in the, I thought I was gonna freaking die. Like hey. people were like into that. So like, yeah. I mean, what can you say? I mean, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, you know, and in the territory days, guys keep going. I mean, if they're gonna keep giving him money, and if he and he was in the, I mean, that Shane match, yeah, it sucked. But it was the big drawing card at WrestleMania 32. Mm-hmm. Like tickets, legitimately did they? They had been slow, and then they picked up when they announced that match. Yeah. So I mean, eh, probably not. Well, there is the ultimate proof from what Justin and I said on this show for weeks heading into WrestleMania. He had to be the dead man at WrestleMania, and the stampede at the Superdome was proof that that is what people wanted to see. That was, yeah. I mean, you know, I've been watching a lot of Mid-South recently. Forget about Bill Watts, man. That was the last stampede in New Orleans. Bottom line, <laughs> Taker. He, that taker seen a segment, not, you know, yeah. Watts and my main man Stagger Lee. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I never get I never get tired of it, I got to say. I, I love The Undertaker for the nostalgia. I still love the long entrance, believe it or not. They I, can I just find like ways to use them. I, I thought they used him what they did with Cena this past year was smart mm-hmm. uh, in the wake of that Roman Reigns match two years ago, which was very bad. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, he, he'd, he was on a real cold streak. You know, we've gotten so used to, you know, the manias kind of the ones in the twenties, I think certain from like 23 to 29 uh, was certainly the peak era of the streak. And then, you know, once he lost to Brock, that match sucked. Um, Wyatt, Sucked. Uh, Shane sucked. And Reigns sucked. I mean, he had like four stinkers in a row. But, you know, they kind of found a creative way to use him this past year. And, I'm, you know, who's to say they can't find another creative way? 
You know, that, I, that reminds me of a just a random thought, just a random horrible thought I oh, had no. this week is, you know, the WrestleMania 33 with Undertaker and Roman Reigns was, they kind of made it look like it was his retirement, that he was mm-hmm. done. And obviously that is not the case. So you have to look at that WrestleMania 33 match as more of a, a passing of the torch, that it went from Undertaker's yard to now it's Roman Reigns' yard. And all I know is I cannot wait for Biker Reigns. I think that is just going to be a great <laughs> <No>. run. <laughs> That'll be the heel turn right there. Uh, yeah, well, I think that answers the question. I think I think did we all like was, seeing... By the way, did you see poor Roman? He was booed at that conference they were at yesterday. <laughs> yes. That's Jesus. unbelievable. <laughs> That's unbelievable. This guy just cannot get ahead. No. <laughs> um so we're gonna wrap this up here this week. I uh I did not even talk to you guys about this off air, so we're just gonna oh, have this fuck. discussion on air. <laughs> <laughs> but next week, uh we're not gonna be able to do our usual Thursday show. Thursday night show for for you guys to be ready on Friday because I'm actually going to be out of town Monday through Friday. I'm going to the great city of San Diego, California. Um, God. Yeah, so I won't get back until Friday night. And so my thought was that's a little late to do a takeover slash Money in the Bank preview show. And we kind of previewed them last week, to be honest. So you guys can check those out out in in the archives. But we haven't done this for a long time. But if we want to get content out there, we might want to consider doing a, a Money in the Bank post show, so maybe we can think about uh, that. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll do it, it. That's it's Father's Day, and I haven't asked for anything, so uh, <laughs> that, that that could be my present. Is uh, maybe I get to sleep in a little bit so I can do that. So, so us three dads have our late night podcast after Money in the Bank. I think that might that might be I'll our next it. show. So yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, because I was, I was kind of going over this. I was thinking about it in my head today, and I'm like, there's just no way I can do the podcast during the week. I'm going to be out of town. And, you know, I was going to tell you guys, you could do it, you two, if you wanted, but I don't know how I can I don't even it. know how to hit record. Yeah, yeah, so. I, I don't know how to hit record. I don't know how to do any of that shit. I, I can, you're, you, you've been with me before we, we, we click go on this thing. I can hardly fucking get my microphone working, man. <laughs> I think you would just completely stress out to the max, Kyle. You'd be swearing. You'd be throwing shit in your basement. You'd be waking up yeah. the baby. It would not be pretty. <laughs> Bad scene. So that's my thought. So we may, you know, check the check the at top rope pod Twitter page for confirmation later. I, I just sprung this on these guys right now live, but uh, we're just not going to be able shocked. to do a show until <laughs> until the end of next weekend. So uh, it's just I feel, a, like, I feel like Bradshaw when Terry Funk sprung his retirement on him on fully loaded ninety eight. <laughs> yeah. So so it'll probably be after money in the bank at the earliest we come to you the next time <laughs> what what if i wanted to come out of here and said no i don't want to fucking do that <laughs> i'm not gonna do it no. yeah what well, a heel turn well you know what when we do if we do do the uh post show for money in the bank that's only two weeks out then from when we might be doing a live podcast and we, we will talk about that off air too because i yeah. think there's a very good chance that's going to happen sweet all right so stay tuned for that but Kyle may be in uh, Justin and I's neck of the woods in uh, about two and a half weeks. So uh, hopefully that's on the horizon. Or wait, it's two and a half weeks, three and a half weeks. I don't know, something like that. End of June. End of June. It would be 22 days, uh, three weeks, three weeks. Okay, well, over three weeks. So 
All right. That sounds good. Good show, fellas. Thanks for all the listeners out there tuning in, as always. Like I said earlier in the show, iTunes, subscribe. Give us a five-star. It takes two seconds. The more five-star ratings we have, the higher we'll rank on iTunes uh, and Stitcher Radio. Tune in, all of that. Patreon.com slash TopRopeNation. TopRopeNation.com. Any, any, any parting words, fellas, before we take this home for the evening? We need to do this podcast in Tokyo so they can give us six stars on iTunes. There we go. <laughs> I, I love it. Want, uh, you know, hell froze over on Tuesday morning. I texted my buddy. I'm like, I got high hopes for the constable, Baron Corbin. And Joni sends me back a tweet of your boy Brad Shepard saying the same thing. I said, fuck me. Oh, my God. Let's not end on that kind of note. <laughs> oh Brad we haven't mentioned Brad on the show recently he's kind of been out of the news he's been out of the headlines lately sad very sad seen his analysis no I he blocked me a long time ago I haven't seen any of his analysis oh, oh good for you <laughs> yeah. alright episode 60 is in the books thanks for tuning in we'll catch you guys after money in the bank have a great week. Have a great weekend. Hit us up on Twitter at Top Row Pod, and we'll see you all next time. Peace.